0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Angel Insights, brought to you by Syndicate Room. This is a show that delves inside the world of angel investing. However, with the summer and August upon us and the holidays planned, we thought what better way to prep you for the holidays than by coming up with a selection of our favourite quickfire rounds, revealing what the best books, blogs, podcasts, newspapers and more are from some of the world's best investors that we've had on the show, so you can head off on your holidays with the ultimate investor resource toolkit. And if you enjoy the show, stay. You can follow Syndicate room on twitter at syndicate room but now it's time to open the treasure chest of resources get your pens out thank you so much for listening today we start off with tim mills one of the main men from the british business bank and what his must-have reads are but your favorite investing or tech resource it could be a blog it could be a newsletter
1: um a book a great question you know what are my favorite resources Just because it makes me look really broadly, it's just reading the FT and uh, reading the FT tech blog um, on a daily basis and just skimming through the headlines. Because I think it's easy to get a little immersed in in the tech press and and, uh, look a bit too local in some senses in in, in where we are. And it it always gives you a more objective perspective on things, which I, I like. Absolutely. And then what's the biggest challenge in your role today? I guess right now the biggest challenge we have is is simply we have a big portfolio of companies and it's making sure that we're giving people the, the right support, the right resource um, when they need it. And that's uh, it's always a stretch in terms of, of being able to do that. And I think one of the challenges for any investor is, is always knowing when you're – when you're adding value and when you're not, and when sometimes when you're um, spending time trying to um, understand more about the, the companies you're investing in, more about the issues they've got, you, you, may, you may think you're adding value, but sometimes you're just distracting um, the guys that you're backing from doing, doing the job that's the thing that probably concerns me most is how do how do we best deploy the resource we've got and and, and use it most in the smartest possible way and then which investor do you most respect
0: and admire in the european ecosystem or in the us actually
1: yeah i i I guess in in the european ecosystem i guess robin klein is is probably the guy i would, would most respect i think there's a certain sort of philosophical kind of connection between us. Um, we run a, an early-stage seed fund, generalist fund, um, mm-hmm. and Robin has been one of the most prolific early-stage investors, investing very broadly in the UK, and obviously has backed some fantastic companies. So, yeah, I think you know, Robin sort of demonstrates that really, doesn't matter how smart you are, then it's really hard to pick the winners, um, in any sort of absolute sense. So you've got to have a broad portfolio if you want great successes. But if you do have a broad portfolio, then you can have some great successes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
0: And I want to finish on the most recent investment of yours and and why you said yes, public
1: one, that is. So we've got an investment, actually, which we just closed um, this morning, which is in our company called 4040 Media um, based up in Southport they develop um, trainer videos so um, animated videos um, which can, uh, go on websites um, and are used in corporate training so you've probably um, seen things like RSA animates but that, those kind of um, elements are a great team let's um, uh, say based up in Southport why did we back them? I think <laughs> fundamentally the thing we liked about the business most is a really driven entrepreneur, a, a, a guy who really, really lives and breathes his business, has taken it from absolutely nothing to to the scale it's at today with, with more than 50 employees and somebody who's really got incredible ambition for where he can take it. They've got a great product offering, which obviously is, is essential um, to get comfortable with it. Um, and though they're based up in Southport which I've got to be honest uh, you know, it not the honest most obvious place for, for a business like that and, and did give us some concerns you know, can they really scale in, in their, that market can they really attract um, the right kind of people in terms of helping them build out but, but they have done so far I think they've got the scope to, to draw on wider resources and, and if you look at their positioning Most of their business is actually um, outside of the UK. It's US-focused, and uh, I think that the the possibilities there are tremendous. So there's a lot of things to like about it. And, yeah, ultimately we're a co-investment fund, so uh, having the right partners to to, to go in with on that was absolutely key, and uh, we're very pleased that the guys that we've got involved with – are going to be supporting the company, and they bring an enormous amount of experience in terms of scaling up um, early-stage businesses.
0: Next, we have John Spindler from the London Co-Investment Fund revealing what his must-haves are. So, your favourite investing resource, what's your kind of must-read when it comes in? Um, what do I, uh, My must-read is get a
2: great Twitter account, follow great people on Twitter. I'm um, amazed people don't follow your Marx sisters, your, your Dreesons, your Horowitzes, your Ben Evans, um,
0: kind of, um, you learn so much more from those giants. Absolutely. No, I'm a big fan of Twitter. Uh, and then commonality amongst the best investors that you've seen.
2: Basically, at our stage is I think the best investors are trust entrepreneurs, uh, basically have a good eye and ear for a great entrepreneur. And basically know how hard it is to kind of start and then kind of scale up a, a great business. And they know that their role is really to support the team that they're investing in and not to try and shackle them. And then the most challenging element of your role today? In terms of running the fund, I suppose the most challenging thing is to, is to basically find enough money for some of the great startups we do find so they can fund it all the way through. I think um, there's a kind of a, my, my biggest challenge is to is to get enough money in the initial round and get enough money in their follow-ons in a in a quite challenging environment. Um, that's my I would say my biggest challenge. I think my biggest joy is the quality and the smartness and the intelligence and just the kind of fun you get by dealing with early-stage startups with with
0: who want to change the world. What sector are you most excited by, and why?
2: I think in the sector we are seeing the most interesting, most amazing things at the moment in London is um, AI, particularly machine learning. Uh, we are seeing what capability it's able to have, some of the big breakthroughs that have occurred in the last two years. Uh, so, yes, that's, that is by far, I think, the most exciting one I see on a daily
0: basis. Some of the problems they're solving are quite amazing. And then the next five years for you and for London as a tech ecosystem, what, what's the kind of roadmap? Well, let's, let's hope we vote to stay in uh,
2: Europe in, in a few weeks' time. Fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> and after that, I think it's incredibly positive. I think the kind of um, the thing that may start to occur, I'm hopeful, from, uh, probably little evidence to go if it's a faith pitch, is that we'll get all that um, enormous amounts of money that's in the London scene, in the pension funds, in the mutual funds to start basically feeling that it's not right that only 1% of the London you know, stock market is in tech compared to the States where it's about
3: 21, 22%. And that actually can we do something
2: about that by investing in early stage funds.
0: Now time for Dominic Wilson, Managing Director at Pi Labs, to unveil his favourites. So let's start with, uh, you know, you mentioned tax reliefs. Is this dumb money and is dumb money a good thing?
4: It is uh, on, on on balance, yes, it is dumb money, and yes, dumb money is a good thing. So the, every every investor round needs needs smart money, but you don't need a hundred percent of your round to be smart money. So having some dumb money in there that's just going to give you money and let you get on with it is is a good thing. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: The effect of Brexit, what's going to be? Uh, obviously, it's a, a guessing game now. But how have you seen it play out so far? Uh, I don't. I think it's all. A little bit too raw. I think I, I seriously doubt we're actually going to end up leaving the EU in any meaningful form, personally. Really? I can't, how, I, I can't see how that's going to be voted through Parliament. And and nor the terms the terms on which we're going to leave haven't been negotiated or unknown. So they start to present, you know, a package to Parliament to be voted down to repeal the European kind of Communities Act of 72. And I, you know, that's if 95% of MPs are in favour of staying, then that obviously raises serious questions about whether that would actually get voted through, right? So, um, I, I think the, the shockwaves from the last few days have been you know, significant. I think from a property perspective and from what we do, it's probably a good thing. And the reason for that is, you know, Venture is at the, is at the sharp end of the stick as far as risk is concerned. So yes, we're 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 sort of high risk investors with very high risk uh, high high rewards and high returns. But if you're, you know, if you go to the opposite end of the spectrum, which is your safe haven assets of equities and bonds, but if you look at the volatility in those markets, um, they're obviously not looking so secure. So actually, why not take, you know. The risk with the guys who are going to give you the greater returns, as opposed to the guys who are just going to perhaps lose lose a lot of money or just generate sort of five ten percent return. So, um, you know, there, there is certainly that argument to be made. And lastly, coming back to what we we're talking about before, this is definitely going to impact property companies, right? In terms of like how their asset price growth and, and their performance. So they're going to need innovation and technology more than more than they ever have. And then, what's the biggest challenge for you in your day to day role? Mm, several really I mean I think for us it's a, that we're a fund and we're an investor and we, and we have a lot of great momentum and, and great ambitions so for us it's matching the capital uh, requirements to the, the, you know, the deal pipeline that we have um, we, we have far more, more deals that we, that we want to invest in than, than capital that we have to invest, which is actually quite a nice problem to have, it's better that than the other way around. Um, but you know, we're looking to capitalise ourselves better in every respect, and 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 to really make sure that we take advantage, full advantage of this sort of first mover um, position that we found ourselves in. So um, that's one. Um, you know, we are very fast and we're very nimble, and we and we implement extremely quickly, which is great. Um, but some of our kind of counterparts, you know, certainly in the real estate industry, as we alluded to before, perhaps are not so quick. So, we, so managing those two processes, in terms of the speed at which we get things done and the speed at which they move, is perhaps can be a little bit frustrating. But we're making inroads on that front.
0: And then I want to finish on your most recent investment and why you said yes.
4: Our most recent investment um, was... investment. uh, We are one of the lead investors into Plentific, uh, which is a home services um, home improvement marketplace. The reason we said yes is because for a number of reasons. One, it was an exceptionally strong management team, and that's normally the the catalyst for most of our investments, to be fair. Two, they had some incredible partnerships um, with the likes of Zoopla and a few others that I can't really name at the moment. Um, and three, they their quality of product and their speed of product development was far ahead of anything else in the competition. And they sort of overcome problems that, that their competitors had, had traditionally struggled with. So, um, you know, it was one of those deals that was kind of a no-brainer. I mean, it wasn't a no-brainer, but you know, we everything we 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 looked at um, came up very very well. And, that, and from a referencing point of view, I, I don't think I've ever had a, a better set of references, and um, we referenced them quite heavily. Um, yeah you know, they're just they're just a very, very strong team and very you know kind of very clearly focused on on execution, which is something that we that we value quite highly.
0: Moving swiftly on, what does the woman behind one of Europe's largest startup PR agencies read? Time to hear from Colette Balu at Balu PR. So let's go and start with one of one of my favorites, which is your favorite book.
3: Oh my God, there have been so many books over. I'm supposed to choose just one yeah actually for, <laughs> yeah. For, for, in, for investing
0: for investing or business. it doesn't have to be actually it could just be your favorite book um yeah let's let's leave it as general
3: oh my god there's so many um you know what okay i have to say right now my favorite book is um history of a pleasure seeker by richard mason why is that <laughs> Got to read well. Number one, I've invested in him, um, and he's he's a he's an award-winning novelist. I think his, He started his first book when he was sixteen. I think it was published when he was twenty, when he was at Oxford. Um, and um, I think he's he's brilliant at studying people. Um, he surpasses me and I thought I was really darn good. So that is my current favorite book, but there've been so many over the years. I mean, I, in fact, I only recently got into, into fiction again. I've been a huge nonfiction fan. So I especially love reading the history of cities. Um, I'm reading, currently reading a book called, uh, how, how Paris became Paris. Uh, but I love reading the history of any city because I'm always fascinated with why it is the way it is. You know, I, I also, you know, way before the musical came out was read Hamilton. I'd like to say I, I read that first. I read it way before Lin-Manuel Miranda read it. Um, um, so I, and I love, I love biographies and, and histories. I just think it's fascinating to hear the the, the stories of people. So read Hamilton, uh, read the history of George Washington. Um, I'll read even off the, off the wall things like uh, silent. Sometimes I, I went through a silent film, a uh, thing where, so I read the history of Thetabara, I mean, just really random stuff, Rudolph Valentino, I mean, stuff that nobody in their right mind reads.
0: Then the most common mistakes you see startups make, what is it that they're
3: not focusing on sales? If you don't sell anything, you can't, you know, I mean, especially right now when we're seeing kind of a, another drought coming, you have to figure out what you're selling and to whom and how to get to them fast. It's, it's so basic and it's what, it's what drove Baloo PR. I mean, the beginning of Baloo PR had me sitting alone in a garret apartment in Paris, cold calling and cold emailing, doing my research, knowing you know why they needed what we were selling and setting it up and making it irresistible, making it absolutely impossible to ignore the contact because I was so spot on with the problems I saw and how communications could solve it. Exactly the same for, for startups.
0: What's the best advice ever given to you? Another tough one.
3: <laughs> two, uh, nobody likes a messy cap table. Um, I like <laughs> so that's number one. Uh number two, don't let anyone ever mess with your margins. Um, you know, that that's next to sacred. Everyone's always asking for a discount, they're asking for work for free. Um the, the advice that was given to me in particular was never give away your time. Um don't 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 discount pardon me, don't discount the advice is this. Don't discount your rates, give away free time when you see fit, but never discount your rates. Once you start discounting your rates, it, you know, it's, it's a slippery slope.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then what about the most challenging element for you today in your role running value?
3: You know, I have a motto, which is hire great people and then get out of the way. Um, and hiring great people happily, we've been able to attract them and, and just getting even more and more out of their way. Also balancing, um, the, I, I am the head of Baloo PR and I'm also angel investing. So really just balancing out that time and carving out time to be creative. And I know this sounds like every top list of you know advice for yourself, but you, you really do. Um, you know, I, if you, if you do it right, you know, the angel investing gives me ideas about the business. The Baloo PR gives me ideas about angel investing and how I can help my portfolio companies. And I'm, I'm incredibly hands-on. And I also just think that, um, you know, the, God, I'm actually, I'm pardoned. Let me start. Let me, let me restart. So quick second. Um, the, the most challenging part of my role is hiring the great people and then getting out of the way. I've been learning how to get out of the way and how to let people run things for years. And I think I finally struck the balance um, and when I get out of the way, that allows me to go and do other things that can then feed back into the business better. So the more hands off I am at Baloo PR and not sticking my nose into day-to-day running of accounts, which I don't do, the better I am at, I, or the more time I have to go and angel invest. And when I go and angel invest and I sit down with my, with my portfolio companies, the lessons I learn there, I'm often able to reinvest into Baloo PR and vice versa. And that's, um, Hitting that balance has been very hard, but it's been incredibly rewarding.
0: And then penultimate question, and one I'm very intrigued by myself, with the rise of Twitter, does it make, uh, and kind of the frictionless and ease of it, for for any of your clients to tweet whatever they want, does it make PR infinitely more challenging?
3: Well, especially if they tweet something insane, yeah. If you've, got Mark, back.
0: if you've got Mark Andreessen as a client, I mean, <laughs> it's it's a nightmare if you're his PR. So
3: how how do you approach? Well, this? you don't you you don't know if that is carefully carefully orchestrated, Harry. You don't know. That, um, it's a major branding. It, so it, it could be, um, you know, it's Twitter. I I always liked how. Twitter opened things up and made things a lot more democratic. It used to be that communication from companies went one way. They communicated to you. And um, and I think it's wonderful that there's been a, ha- a, a happy back and forth. Um, I'm really excited, actually, that there's been a happy back and forth because I think it makes companies far more responsible. Um, yes, it, it absolutely opens up problems, uh, but, uh, you know, it's on the whole, I think it's, it's for the best. It it doesn't, it it does make it more challenging, but it also can make it, the the, the communications are far more rich and and meaningful, frankly. And that's what I like. I mean, I think every single one of our portfolio companies has its own, uh, personality and, and integrity. And, you know, Twitter is the kind of thing where if you use it correctly, not just, you know, use it for company purposes and send out links to all your press releases and, 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 and humble brags or just outright bragging. Um, I think it can really bring a wonderful personality to the founders, the management team and the company itself.
0: And then I want to finish today on your most recent angel investment and why you said yes.
3: (laughs) Um, So my most recent angel investment is, is Orson. Um, And I had just mentioned that um, to you. It's um, a software company um, and the entrepreneur is is the, uh, author I mentioned, uh, Richard Mason. And frankly, he's, I, he's a, he is, I've met many, many, many entrepreneurs. I took one look at him and knew this, this fellow can do anything. He, he will just get it done and not in kind of a maniacal crazy way, just with calm and poise. He knows how he knows what he's capable of, what he's not capable of. He's incredibly aware of his strengths and his weaknesses. He knows how to go and hire for those weaknesses. And again, like me to get out of the way. And he's also incredibly good. And this is something that a lot of um, founders miss. He's incredibly good at using his network. He knows exactly who his network is and how to call upon them appropriately for this, that and the other for introductions. Um, you know, he, I I had advised him to go attend the founders forum, uh, in London, uh, week, two weeks ago. He, he found a way to get into it. I mean, the, the man is just unbelievable. And, you know, I, I honestly think he could, you know, he could have come to me with a business plan that was selling ice to Eskimos and I would have invested because he's that good.
0: And what better way to finish the show today than hearing from Syndicate Room founder Tom Britton on the lightning round of his episode.
5: So your favorite book at the moment and why? So I just read uh, Talk Like Ted. Um, the author did a lot of reviews of people who have given TED Talks. You know, I'm sure you're familiar with TED Talks and kind of the reoccurring, uh, not themes, but trends and how they engage people. Um, and I, I thought I wanted to improve how I present Syndicate Room to people. So I, I picked up that book and it was really useful. And it, <laughs> this, this last week when we did our big presentation or um, our, our bigger. Uh, uh, summit, if you want to call it that, and I had to give a, a few-minute talk. Um, I, I took a lot of the lessons from that book and from watching far too many hours of, of TED videos. and uh, And I was told that I gave a good presentation, so um, so it was definitely useful.
0: And then, the highlight of the entire syndicate room experience for you.
5: um you know, going back to that day where I decided that I didn't want to take a corporate job and that I would give the entrepreneurial thing uh, a try, um, I had tried to be a part-time entrepreneur a number of times before that, and like didn't fully commit, and the businesses didn't work out. So that moment when I when I fully committed to it was, uh, uh, hate to be cliche, but liberating <laughs> in many ways. <laughs> so,
0: and and in your favorite blog or newsletter, what's the must-reads for you when they come in?
5: Um, I've been reading well newsletter wise it's CB insights um, I think the data that they provide is incredible and the insights that they add to it with a bit of humor is fantastic um, and I've been reading a lot of uh, both sides of the table which I know a lot of people talk about um, so so those two of of late have been uh, my favorites
0: and then the biggest mentor to you and how it came about
5: yeah um, my biggest mentor is my old boss actually at the train line. So he had been a successful entrepreneur, entrepreneur before. Um, he had, had experience in everything from startup to, um, company that has sold for 500 million pounds. Um, and he's just a, a wealth of information and he's probably one of the few people who, um, who I go to, who I know is not going to just, um, you know, blow smoke up my ass sorry for swearing uh, and, and tell me how it is and tell me where he thinks I'm making mistakes and where I can improve and you definitely you know, definitely need someone like
0: that on board and then the final one the next five years for you and for Syndicate Room
5: yeah so this round that we raised is all about scaling up the business you know, really we're going to spend the next year focusing on growing our public markets offer um, increasing brand awareness around that um, and then we're going to start to look at um, other types of asset class that, that we can get into
0: we so hope you enjoyed the show today and next week we will be back interviewing and we will have our episode with fran o'brien at syndicate room for you where fran will unveil her dd process for prospective companies how she sources companies how she really compiles the research and the dd itself and much much more as always we're so grateful for all the support and stay tuned